right, Corey, come on up. If your college students here, remind you afterwards, hang around. We're going to have lunch together. Appreciate you, man. Good morning again. And you guys are an active bunch. I, I hope that you guys quiet down a little bit as we get going here. Um, it's interesting when Garen asked me to come and share today, he gave me a, a range of the scriptures as you guys have been going through. And I looked at the list and, and I just kind of chuckled. I said, that's very, very interesting. And um, Garen looked and like waiting for what I thought was so interesting about his list of scriptures. Well, this very scripture was what our ministry was based in in 1991, to be a compassionate ministry that could provide the comfort to others that we ourselves have been provided. And I was just delighted as I remembered, just even as I joined the ministry in 99, just how much uh, Dr. John Zobel and Brenda Lewis provided as a foundation for this ministry to grow from, with that as the core theme, to provide that comfort and compassion to others that we ourselves have received. Um, upon that, uh, this ministry has grown from two to three and one location to where we are today, and God continues to bless us, not because we've got it all figured out, um, but because we believe in partnering with people on the journey and really coming alongside and helping to live out of that identity and that grace more fully today than we could have even yesterday. So I'm going to read the scripture, even though Jen read it, I appreciate just going over it. And I want you to focus on something as I read this. Um, sometimes when we can have a frame or a lens by which we hear, different things come out in the scriptures. And unfortunately, myself included, I think sometimes we can read a scripture and we just think, yeah, 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 I've heard this before. And not really say, this is, this is what he has for me. This is what he's speaking to me. And I want you just to think about the God of all comfort, the merciful Father, Father of compassion, as I read this scripture. And just reflect, even as I'm talking, what that means to you. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3. <clears throat> Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. For just as the suffering of Christ flow over into our lives, so also through Christ our comfort overflows. If we are distressed, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces in you 
patient endurance of the same sufferings we suffer. And our hope for you is firm because we know that just as you share in our sufferings, so also you share in our comfort. It's interesting that Paul, in all of his other writings and the other books that he has written, opens with a familiar opening that was so common in that day that it would be calling out something that, uh, um, an attribute of a God and saying, you know, a particular attribute just in, in his other books that he has written, like blessed be God who blank, whether it's in whatever is, um, he is focusing on for that particular book. This was a way of glorifying his works and really drawing attention to that work. But what he did here was something different. See, in this time, there was a very um, common prayer in the synagogue. And in the synagogue, the prayer was addressed God as the merciful Father which is what Father of mercies, the Father of compassion really means. And I tell you, I've studied this many times over the years, but that landed differently with me this time. That he thought that that was so important that he opened his letter that way. That he wanted them first to pay attention and to have that lens by which to hear his letter through the Father of mercies. So as we go through to the time together today, I would like for you to think and remember that intro of the merciful Father and try at least a few times this week to open your conversational dialogue with the Father with one of those two intros, the Father of mercy. Father of compassion, liberating God. One of those kind of intros, and I know nobody in this room ever gets into a prayer rut, but maybe you can pass this on to other people that could potentially get into a prayer rut. That we may just say, Father God, or we may just say, Lord, help us. But instead, try a couple times this week to say, Father of compassion, Merciful Father. It is amazing in our minds when we call out a particular attribute, it moves from the midbrain and pulls it right here. And all of a sudden we have this lens by which we see our surroundings. And we start to pay more attention to how merciful He truly is with us we're able to now see more of his compassion flowing to us. I, just, I mean, if I came back next week, I would love to sit down, maybe just have an hour here in front and go, if we were to do that and to say, what did you notice this week? And I would love to look into your eyes as you talked about how you experienced the loving Father giving you compassion in your day-to-day -day activities. I would love to hear those stories because I think each of us could have one of those if we are looking for them.
Try that this week for me. Our compassionate Father seeks to bring comfort to others. And I think it's amazing how easy it is to use us to bring comfort to others. We're like walking billboards for what He has done in our lives, for what He has saved us from, what He has liberated us from. We're like walking billboards for Him. You guys may not remember anything else from today, but I bet you most, I mean, in the research shows, you'll probably only remember 25% of what I say up here anyway. It'll probably be less because it's me, but, you know, we're going to go for 10% of what I say. But you'll probably remember Jen's story that she shared because it was an experience with him during a period of vulnerability, during a period that she really needed to hear from him, she did. And I bet that beyond any other facts or data that I share today, you're going to remember that story. The experience of others sticks with us. And I tell you, well, I'll come back to that. Let's just talk for a moment why does he do this? You know, most of us in this room wouldn't make a major purchase in our life without doing a lot of research. How many of you go to Amazon and you look at what has the most positive likes for a particular product that you're looking for, right? It is amazing that we will go through and try to find, you know, what do other people experience with a particular product? Hearing that the company is selling the product and they think they're five stars doesn't make much impact on the consumer mind today. It makes very little impact in the decision making. If 12th Avenue went out online and said, come join us, we're the most loving church in Emporia. That can be 100% true. But are they going to listen to 12th Avenue on their website? You're shaking your head no, right? Because we're going to make ourselves and put out there what we want. But if somebody says, I think 12th Avenue is one of the most loving churches in Emporia because this was my experience. That's what we remember. I tell you that I get obsessive about research. Okay, which helped me a little bit in my doctoral studies, but I tell you that I get obsessed and almost analysis into paralysis. My wife laughs all the time, you know, because if I'm going to buy a new rifle or a new set of tires, I'm probably going to spend hours and hours. Did I mention I may look for hours? through specs and, and really what every person out there, until I am so saturated with other people's experiences that I can now make a decision. And you know, how many of those people on Amazon do we read their reviews that we know? We don't, 
right? We probably don't know who they are. We don't know if they're real or not. We'll probably never meet them, but darn it, their experiences matter to us when we're trying to buy a product. If it matters to us that much when we're buying household goods and other products every day, can we agree that people are probably doing that with our Jesus as well? That they're going, okay, they're saying that this Jesus is pretty amazing. I don't know. I better hear some experiences first. Do you think people do that before they make the decision to check it out? They're looking at all these walking billboards, walking around and going, huh, what's different about them? What do I notice about them? Does it bear fruit? Does it tell this story that I'm looking to hear? The most important decision of their life and they're looking at us. It is because of what we have been through that not only allows us to be walking billboards for him, but it also gives us a keen eye by which to see the pain and suffering of others. Have you ever walked in somewhere to a restaurant or a classroom and you just saw somebody's face or the body language and went, they're hurting. Not because they were weeping, not because of some open sign on them, but because you too can connect with what you see in them, the pain and suffering that they may be going through. I think we do. This is a very common theme throughout the entire Old Testament. You know, where it's really the idea that is shared that we are saved and liberated from what is oppressing us so that we can help and serve others. We are saved and liberated from what's oppressing us so that we can help and serve others. Psalms 94, verse 17 and 18 says, says this, Unless the Lord had given me help, I would soon have dwelt in the silence of death. When I said, my foot is slipping, your love, O oh Lord, supported me. When anxiety was great within me, your consolation brought joy to my soul. Brought joy to my soul. We can share his grace and mercies to, with others because of the comfort we ourselves have received. I ask, dear friends, that we never become a people that forget what we have been saved or liberated from. That we never forget, never forget our utter dependence upon him. That we may not grow so content in and of ourselves 
that we fool ourselves into believing that we no longer need him. Let that never be said of us. But rather, let it be said of us that we are a people who are walking billboards that share the grace and mercy that has been poured out upon us with others that we encounter. You know, there's a phenomenal story that I'm going to sing here. Just kidding. Um, I took an oath to do no harm, so I won't this morning. But if you get a chance, go to YouTube and look at this. The story I'll tell. If you've ever heard of Maverick City Music, um, if you ever see me alone in a car and I'm jamming to something, it might be this song right now. It's phenomenal. I mean, you don't want to hear me sing, but the words of this song are downright amazing, are just amazing. What are we going to focus on? Are we going to focus on our hurts and pains that which have oppressed us? Or are we going to focus on the one who is liberating us and transforming us? In order to do that, in order to be ready to tell our story and to focus on what he is doing in and through our lives for his glory, I really think we have to challenge ourselves by intentionally taking pause and reviewing our God narrative. What do we believe about who God is? Who God is, not just during those times where everything's going great, but what do we believe about God when the storm clouds roll in? When the storm clouds roll in. I tell you, sometimes I need to be reminded of that. Sometimes I need my core group of folks around me to speak in and say, Corey, he is with you. He is with you. He will not let you go, regardless of what you're going through. Sometimes I need to be reminded of that. Anybody else? Maybe I'm the only one. But I think we do. Just like Jen saying, that text blessed me because it was a gift. And seeing, that's a really important part of this. It wasn't just that she got a text. It was that she got a text and immediately, this isn't from Garen. Thank you for the gift from the Father that he provided comfort in the midst of this. That's critical. A great resource to help in that evaluation of our internal dialogue and our God narrative is a wonderful book series. Um, it's also on audiobook if um, you drive around and, and don't, the paper books. I have no shelf control, so I have tons and tons of books. But I also love audiobooks, right? And James Bryant Smith wrote a series called The Good and Beautiful God. Good and Beautiful God, Good and Beautiful Life, Good and Beautiful Community. All three are very rich works. Some training to take care of you and your relationship and intimacy with the Father. 
but it really gets at the core of what we're telling ourselves about who God is in the good and in the difficult times. So as we we look to complete within the next hour or so, um, they're not quite doing the airstrip, land the plane kind of mode, but yeah, yeah. How do we get ourselves in a position to really comfort others well? We're going to go through two quick points. The first is to love souls. This is going to sound so pedestrian, but I'll tell you that I need this reminder. We have to love souls if we want to care for souls. If we don't care, then we're not going to love. But if we don't love, we can never care. We have to love souls. The more fully that we experience the joy of our own salvation and the ongoing transformation that he is doing in us, the more our own love of him and the joy will overflow naturally into the lives of others that the Father brings to us. Just something that I have tried, I I had heard of somebody far wiser than me doing, but woke up every morning and before his feet hit, hit the ground would say, Jesus, you are with me. You are with me. And I anxiously await what you are going to do in and through me today. Help me to have eyes to see that so that I can more fully join you today than I could have yesterday. That gives us the eye to his will and his plan for the day rather than ours. This is what I want to accomplish versus what he wants to accomplish in and through us. The second is love as Jesus loves. Again, I mean, there's probably... um, a wristband or something with that on it. It's not very complex. But it's really hard. It's really hard. Especially in a time period such as now, where We are looking for more people that sound like us, believe like us, and frequently look like us. And dialogue in the in-between with people that may not look or sound or believe like us has become almost nil. I've been yelled at by people on both sides of the aisle on the vaccination issue and masks issues. And I tell you, I just have heard some amazing things from both sides of the aisle. Both sides of these issues that, to be quite honest, don't reflect the love and compassion of Jesus. Now, that's not saying which side of the issue I'm on or not on, but I think we have to start at the core component of from which um, heart are we approaching the issues. 
And how are we approaching others around these issues? I tell you, it almost seems like everybody is constantly at odds. And sometimes that's a very heavy weight, just walking around going, what landmine are you going to step on next? In your work, in your school, with your friends, family, spouse, going, what landmine am I going to step on that's going to cascade into a erupting fire? Something that has been very helpful for me in the midst of this has been trying to find true solitude. To get time set aside and protected for God to speak um, into me and to move in me so that I can be reaffirmed in my identity and who I am in Christ. When that is solidified, I have less to defend and justify to anybody else that may not see the world as I see. When our identity in Christ is suspect and blurry, we become more easily offended. We become more easily angered and ready to die on more and more hills rather than just living out who he created us to be. And once we realize what we have been freed from and the shackles of our own sin and that we can truly walk as a new creation, then we can begin to establish connections with others in an intentional way. Then when we have that more intentionality, we can love with purpose. When we look at the book, you know, Instruments in the Hands of the Redeemer, Paul David Tripp wrote, you know, he has a model. He says you have to love, know, speak, and do. You have to love people intentionally in order to do life for them and with them meaningfully. If you don't love them first, we can't do life with them effectively to lead them to Jesus. We can't. Community much like this gives us an opportunity that we can be sharpened and we can hear and be grown by others around us. And we can also help others grow around us. As a reminder, I mean, the most dangerous human is one that hears only himself and believes only himself or herself. In community means we have an open hand to hear others. But we do have a few things that are core in our hand that say these are non-negotiable for me because the Father says these are non-negotiable. Everything else should be open-handed. If we want to purpose ourselves to be a light for those around us, we have to ask the Spirit to work in us and through us in order to bring Christ to others, to show him, to help them to experience the richness in the intimacy with him. Together we are stronger and more capable of fulfilling his calling upon us than we ever could be as individuals. 
That's for us individually, that's for us collectively as a church, and that's collectively as a larger community within this partnership. CFCC would not be able to reach Emporia and hurting people and those 140 that could not otherwise receive critical services without the partnership. Emporia is better because of this partnership. 12th Avenue reaches further because of the partnership. Thank you for being a compassionate, loving people, that you're allowing that love and compassion to flow out of you, to not just your body of people here in this room, but to the greater community so that they may see that love of him. Does this feel heavy today? When I was preparing for this, it, it just dawned on me, gosh, am I spending enough time asking the Father to show me intentionally how to be compassionate in my day? Whether it's the people sitting across from me or it's the people that I encounter in the store or a restaurant or on the road. And I tell you, it was challenging. And I hope that the challenge for you this week of really crying out to the liberating God, the Father of mercies, Father of compassion, tunes your lens to see more fully the compassion and mercy that he is pouring out for you. Thank you for your time today. And as we go, let me close us in prayer. Gracious and compassionate Father, thank you for liberating us. Father, thank you for really burdening us with a love that seeks to consistently make outsiders insiders, to make strangers friends, enemies allies. Father, not just for us, but Father, for your kingdom, Father, for your glory, we ask that you burden our hearts even more as we depart today with a desire to reflect that love more effectively today than we could have even yesterday. Father, we need you. We're aware of our dependence upon you more today than we were the first day that we met you. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear as you move in and around us, Father, so that we can more fully join you. Father, continue to break us and mold us. Help us to abide and abound even more tomorrow than we could today. Father, protect their hearts and minds, their health, 
And Father, just bring them back here safely. For it's in your precious name we pray. Amen. 12th Avenue family, you are sent out and uh, blessings upon you. Take care.